Welcome to the Free to Choose Media Podcast. Julie Jola Exline, PhD, Psychology, Case Western Reserve University, and Roy Baumeister, PhD, Psychology, Case Western Reserve University, attempt to define forgiveness and discuss the drawbacks and benefits of forgiving. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, and don't forget to subscribe to the Free to Choose Media Podcast. Well, our topic is forgiveness and the dilemma of forgiveness. And I guess the first dilemma is what is forgiveness? Uh, it's not uh, simply a matter of coming up with a definition, but uh, as, as you know, Julie, this has been something that researchers have struggled with. I've been uh, reading people's discussions and definitions, and there's a lot of discussion of what forgiveness is not. That it, mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. forgetting, it's not condoning, it's not letting somebody walk all over you. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are pretty good about saying what it's not, uh, but I start to think if you really crossed off all those what it's not, there wouldn't be anything left for it to actually be. Yeah. So, yeah. What, what, uh, well, it can, you can start to get that impression from looking at the literature nowadays because it seems like um, some of the researchers are even becoming a little bit defensive about trying to defend what forgiveness is, that it really is a valid thing, it really is meaningful, and having to protect against having people believe that it's something that people use as, as an excuse to abuse other people. So the way that I conceive of forgiveness is it's releasing somebody from a, an interpersonal debt. Somebody hurts you in, in some way, and you can think about that as them becoming indebted to you. And when you forgive someone, it's as though, even though the other person doesn't deserve it, that you release them from the debt. You're no longer going to hold it over yeah. their head. You're not going to demand revenge. You're not going to demand that the other person, that there be some kind of justice that's going to come out of the situation. You're, you're releasing them from yeah. that somehow. Well, the debt analogy is good. Uh, I know in German they use the same word for guilt as debt, mm-hmm. uh, schuld. And so those are two things where you can talk of actually forgiving a debt mm-hmm. uh, and yet forgiving someone for a transgression and releasing that person from guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me that's a very useful concept to come back from. The thing is I'm not sure it really squares with where most of the writers on forgiveness are because they tend to talk about it as this inner process and it's an emotional attitude or a state and not being angry whereas what you're describing is basically a transaction between two people so if you owe me money and I forgive you I kind of tell you that you don't have to pay me back and it's thus it's something that's happened between us it's not uh, a set of emotional attitudes in my mind Uh, and yet most people writing about forgiveness uh, often pay little or no attention to the interpersonal exchange and what is actually said to the other person. Uh, extreme cases, they will talk about forgiving someone who's dead or whatever, uh, so that the person is no longer there. There's no uh, actual exchange that could possibly take place. And, and I, as I see it, the, the concept of forgiveness is really torn on a tension between this inner process, which uh, most writers have emphasized, particularly mm-hmm. clinically oriented ones and and some spiritually oriented ones where mm-hmm. it's uh, it's an attitude and it's working in your own mind so that you are no longer angry and no longer condemn the person. Um, that on the one hand and on the other, this act between people where, you know, myself, a social psychologist, that's where I would start to look, mm-hmm. is what is the forgiveness in the social system or in the relationship, mm-hmm. uh, and it functions then uh, in, in that way. And you can argue functionally, I guess, both of those have have benefits that uh, forgiving somebody in your own mind means that you're not angry and you've worked through the hostility and harm even if it's forgiving uh, your mother or father or somebody you have grievances Mm -hmm. against who's now dead uh, still it's better as opposed to be still angry and still fighting that to let all that go that would be uh, again a kind of clinical or spiritual single person approach to forgiveness but you could also look then from the social group and say well one person in a relationship does something bad to somebody else, it could destroy the relationship. But if there's forgiveness, then it's erased in some sense. Uh, although forgiveness is not erasing it, I'm sure uh-huh. they would say. Uh-huh. But again, socially, in some important sense, it is erased. It's no longer a problem. It's no longer a, a divisive issue that could threaten the relationship. Uh-huh. But now they're back to where they were, in a sense. So you're talking about the case where somebody not only forgives someone, you know, in their heart or their spirit or their mind, 
but says to the other person or in some way behaves in such a way that suggests that they've forgiven them. You're talking about... Yes, letting the it, other person know. Okay. And I took that to mean what you were saying when you mm -hmm. said uh, mm -hmm. if it's a debt that the other person doesn't have to repay, uh, did you mean like just telling yourself, well, I lent that person money, but I'm not going to expect any repayment. I won't worry about it. Or is it actually go saying, oh, you don't have to repay me? I think you can think about it on both levels, and it, it works on both levels. You can think about it as a process yeah. that takes place inside a person, or it's like you can s step back a few steps and, and look at it as, as an exchange that takes place between the two people. And the debt analogy works either way, yeah. although I think it gets more complicated when you start thinking about it as the exchange between the two people, because in your own mind, you could you could say, okay, I'm not going to hold this over the other person's head. I'm not going to be angry. I'm going to let go of this. And there might not be a lot of bad consequences for you from doing that. But I can see how if you tell someone that you forgive them or you behave in a way that suggests that it was no big deal or you know that you're going to let it go and drop it, that it could come back to haunt you if the other person then doesn't take you seriously or... Uh, for some other reason, is, is tempted to recommit the offense against you. I could see how what you're describing could be a more risky thing to do, a more risky form of forgiveness, this, this interpersonal yeah. exchange. So you tell the person, you don't have to pay me back, and the person says, well, in that case, can I borrow another $100? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if you think about it literally as forgiving a debt, I can see how that, that could happen. And it's yeah. it's part of what would make that... I guess I would call it an interpersonal expression of forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, risky at times. I mean, if you've got a person that you know that you can really trust and they harm you in some way and you, you say to them, well, they, you know, that did hurt my feelings, but I do forgive you. Good things might come from that. The, the person might say how sorry they are. They might still do things to make it up for you because they, they, they feel bad. Uh, and the relationship could could be enhanced. But if it's someone who really isn't trustworthy or who has uh, just not a lot of reasons to not hurt you again, mm -hmm. it's almost as though you're giving them permission. And it, it, feels, it feels a bit uncomfortable for me to say that because at a spiritual level, my strong belief as a Christian is that Forgiveness is something that we've been commanded to do. And I think, I mean, clearly the, the emotional part is supposed to happen, but I think the implication in, in Scripture is that the interpersonal part is supposed to happen too, that you're literally supposed oh, to think, forgive yeah. the person the debt. Yeah. And, and it is hard. You, yeah. you really open yourself up to a lot more risk that way. And yeah. I can understand why people are reluctant to do it sometimes. Right. Because religion is concerned also about helping people to live together in the world. Yes. Again, looking apart from the truth of religion or anything like that, and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not, not a believer myself, mm -hmm. but as a, a social institution, mm -hmm. it works in society, and so what society wants is for people to live together in relative harmony and stability, mm -hmm. and so forgiveness would be a, a force for that. And yes, uh, to have people go around maybe forgiving each other's in their minds, but never telling the other person, uh, there could still be uh, relationship damage, I suppose. Uh, people can repeat uh, uh, things and so on. Um, and so it would be better to actually be communicated to the other so that the relationship can recover uh, from it. In a sense, it's almost like taking the relationship back to where it was before the transgression, although uh, it doesn't ever get quite, quite back to there. Yeah, I'd say that's questionable because realistically, you aren't going to be able to totally forget what yeah. happened. Yeah. And you might not trust the other person. Yeah. I don't even know if scripturally we're commanded to trust people. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know that we can yeah. forget. So I don't know if that's true, yeah, that I, it goes I don't know back to the prior in, level. Impossible in practice. I'm not even sure forgiveness is always uh, possible in practice. But again, I'm trying to think if you were designing a society or designing a way for people to interact, and you wanted some magic bullet that would erase transactions or transgressions uh -huh. that could potentially destroy a relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, people are getting along really well and living together and raising a family or whatever, taking care of each other. And then one person does something and the other says, oh, that's horrible. And uh, it's, the relationship is suddenly taken a wrong turn. And then I have a right to do that. And, no, you don't. And uh, 
potentially could break the unit up and the children would be left uncared for and mm -hmm. uh, there are all these social problems that stem from that. Mm -hmm. But what one would like is design something that you can just undo that damage from that transgression. And yes. forgiveness uh, isn't quite the magic bullet, but uh, it's it's a facsimile. Well, it's something like it. I think I think it is the magic bullet. The problem is that we live in a world where not everyone forgives. Yeah. And not everyone can be trusted. If yeah. everybody behaved in an upright yeah. fashion and everyone was able to forgive yes. and to learn from their transgressions and not yeah. recommit transgressions, then the yeah. world would indeed be a wonderful place. And, and I yeah. think forgiveness would be like the, the magic true. thing. The problem is that not everyone acts like that. If everyone obeyed <laughs> the commandments or the moral uh, prescriptions and so on, then the only transgressions would be misunderstandings. And then right. forgiveness would, would be a magic bullet for erasing those because there would be no real damage done and things wouldn't be repeated. Uh, yes. So that would be nice. So I, I sometimes think of it as if you are obedient, because in Scripture we're actually commanded to love our enemies and to forgive people 70 mm -hmm. times 7, all these difficult things. If you actually do that, it's kind of a, a step toward creating the type of society that you're talking about, although in my mind I don't believe that that type of society is ever going to exist in this world. But yeah. it's a step towards that. You're doing your part to try to create those kind of harmonious relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's up to the other person to see how they're going to respond. And you know, you can't control their response to yeah. it, which is part of why it is a real risk. Yeah. To, to do well, the, the risk issue then brings up another big question. If you start reading the literature on forgiveness, it mm -hmm. sounds like forgiveness is wonderful. It's wonderful mm -hmm. for the person who did something wrong. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful for the person who forgives. It improves your mental and physical health and reduces stress and saves the relationship and mm -hmm. uh, prevents the one from feeling guilty. And you start thinking, why would anybody ever not forgive? Mm -hmm. And so I think if we really want to get a full understanding of forgiveness as a dilemma, as a problem for people, whether to do it or not, you have to appreciate not only the benefits, but also mm -hmm. some risks and costs for doing so. Mm -hmm. uh, we've mm -hmm. raised a couple of those already. If, mm -hmm. you, if you forgive someone too easily, the person might do, do it again, especially if you just forgive in your mind and you never show outwardly that you even have any resentment. Uh, mm -hmm. Somebody does mm -hmm. something bad to you and you just handle it in your own mind. I won't say anything. I won't make a problem. I'll just uh, absorb this mm -hmm. and... Uh, and, and forgive, and it'll be fine. Well, what's to prevent the person from doing it again? Uh, and some of our studies in interpersonal conflicts and transgressions, we found that kind of pattern where the victim kind of said, this was going, over, going on over and over, and it was repeated, and I finally had to put my foot down and say something uh, to the person who was doing it, though. It's, uh, I did this kind of thing before, and she never said anything. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I did just basically the same thing I'd been doing, and and I got this huge eruption of uh, anger, and uh, the, I got yelled at, and it just seemed so out of proportion. Yes. Uh, and so there is some risk there. Mm -hmm. If the person doesn't know it, the person can't change. Yes. Well, and uh, and it sounds like what you're describing is that for the victim, they perceive it as a series of uh, accumulating provocations. Mm -hmm. So their response to it is based on, on, the, whole set, on yes. the whole set of things. So they might respond and then didn't you also find in your studies that the perpetrators were often likely to see the victims as overreacting Yes, yes. because the, the perpetrator just saw it as being yes. one little incident. Yes. You know, yeah, in, say like being late. Mm -hmm. You know, the person's late and is late again and you never say anything. Mm -hmm. Finally, it gets to you and you being late all the time and so on. But you never minded me being late before, and I was late this time, and instead I get this huge thing. It seems like an overreaction to being late once, and the person has been biting his tongue or her tongue many occasions uh, and saying nothing, and then finally reacting not just to one incident of being late, but to the whole built up uh, thing. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's one potential cost of, uh, of forgiving too easily, I suppose. Yes. Well, and it, and it also brings up another... I mean, if you look at it at a, a sl from a slightly different angle, what you were just saying, you can think of it as victims and perpetrators are unlikely to frame the debt in the same way. The, oh, the victim yes, yes. is usually going to see it as something really big, and the perpetrator, uh, unless they're especially guilt-prone or something, mm -hmm. the average perpetrator 
is probably going to see it as a considerably smaller offense. Yes, yes. So as a victim, you might feel like you're letting the other person off the hook for something really big, and it, it's yeah. really a sacrifice for yeah. you to let this go. Whereas it could be frustrating to think about it, the perpetrator's reaction. Yes. Because th yeah. that person, you know that they don't really get it. They don't yeah. understand why you were so hurt. Yeah. They don't understand why what they did was so yes. bad. And to not have them acknowledge how, how yeah. deeply you were hurt or how big the debt is yes. could make it all the harder to let go. Because it yeah. seems like you're letting them off the hook for more than they even yeah. know. Yeah, when I was writing that book on evil, uh, I began to think that this is just built into the, the structure of transgression in general. That... Mm -hmm. What the perpetrator gains is almost always less than what the victim loses. Uh, mm -hmm. Whether we're talking about robbery or rape or a killing or whatever, the benefits to the one don't measure up to the loss to the other. And so that makes forgiveness difficult. It'd be like, to go back to the debt analogy, it'd be like if you were the victim, you lent $100, the other person only somehow got $25. Yes. Well, then to forgive the debt... Uh, you expect some appreciation for the other person for be forgiving the debt, but he's only f appreciating you for forgiving a $25 debt. That's what all it was to him. Mm -hmm. Whereas mm -hmm. you have to go through doing without the $100, mm -hmm. and that's that. they're not going to match that well. That's uh, why right. some of these things are very difficult to settle over long periods of time. Yeah. Uh, the, the size of the debt is, is almost inevitably going to be an obstacle to uh, forgiveness because it's something that they're unlikely to agree on. Yes, and, and another related thing is that the, a lot of times the, the victim will continue to suffer the consequences of whatever, whatever wound was inflicted on them. Mm -hmm. Like let's say, um, let's say your spouse abandons you. You might for, forgive that person, but then every, every day you wake up and reminded of the fact that that person is not there. It's like an yes, almost like an echo yes, of the you, transgression that you have to deal with all the time. Right, you have to move to a smaller house and you have still to pay the bills and handle things. So for a long period of time, you're coping with the problems. The person comes back a couple of years later and says, oh, I'm sorry, I ran off. I was just having a bad period of time there. To him or her, that was just localized in time, running away, even mm -hmm. if the person admits it was a bad thing to do. Well, I was just under a lot of pressure, or I made some errors in judgment, or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's long in the past. Let's bury it and forget it. But you've been suffering all along. Yeah. So this is going to be another barrier to forgiveness. And I think it's something that perpetrators don't fully appreciate, that they're motivated not to appreciate, to see that uh, the suffering continues. Yes. Uh, perpetrator accounts I've seen, and whether it's uh, major historical crimes or even the, our laboratory studies, they rarely dwell or even notice, dwell on or notice the continued suffering of the uh, of the victim. Mm -hmm. uh, you know things like uh, Roxy Silver's a study of uh, child incest victims. You know that 20, 30 years later they're still upset about it. Mm -hmm. uh, grief and problems can can go on for the victim for a very long time, and the victim is quite sensitive to that. And again, that's going to make the magnitude difference seem much, much bigger. That uh, to the perpetrator, it seems like a small thing. To the victim, the continued suffering is much more obvious and much harder to dismiss. And so, to forgive, you're asked to just put aside a lot of stuff that you're not getting any credit for right, uh, right. Uh, putting away for. Uh, I know Carol Rusbald in her relationship work. I think she has a paper called "The Invisibility of Sacrifice." That one good thing that makes marriages work is if you make certain sacrifices mm -hmm. for your spouse, you put up with uh, uh, minor aggravations and don't say anything, you allow things to be done to your disadvantage and so on, uh, and yet you don't get any credit for those. You, know, you perform heroic mm -hmm. acts for your mate, you will get some things, and other things you can point out, and you, there are things you get appreciated for, but uh, a lot of the small sacrifices uh, you make you will, uh, will be unseen by the other person and, and unappreciated. Yes, and that's it. I just had a, a real strong reaction to that. Uh, again, coming at it from a spiritual perspective, mm -hmm. I, I would argue that God sees what you're doing. He sees your motives. He sees all the little things that you do that you don't think That's right, yes. other people see. Yeah. So if you have that type of framework that you put things in, yeah. you could view it as this does matter. Someone does see 
Yes. And I'm behaving in a way that's pleasing to yeah. God. So you are getting something getting from credit. it. Yes. Yeah. You are getting a more yeah. important type of credit yeah. and approval than right. from the other person. But because it's not as immediate, right. I, I think as, as humans, it's sometimes... Yes. Not sufficiently reassuring to just think, well, someday, you know, I'll, I'll <laughs> get a pat on the back for having yeah, yeah. having behaved kindly, even though the other person didn't see it, or for not lashing out or inhibiting destructive responses. Uh, it feels like I'm not getting any credit for this. The, the per other person doesn't know how badly I wanted to scream at them. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't do it, and I feel like I did the right thing, but I'm never going to get any credit for this. Even if you think of it as, you know, God will reward me someday for that. Um, when you're in the, the throes of a really difficult situation, it, that might not always be enough to make you really feel comfortable. But, but it yes. is something. But it will be it a boost, yes. So for that reason, it would be easier for the religious person to forgive. Yeah. Uh, because you do think the debts as you see them are going to be paid in some way. As a non-believer, uh, it's really a matter of cutting your losses. In a much more yes un, unpleasant or unbalanced way. Well, even that there's also a dark yeah. side of what I just said, De depending on how you view God. I mean, in in the Judeo-Christian tradition, there there is text, you know, in the Old Testament about vengeance is mine, mm -hmm. says the Lord. Now, that might not always be a real popular set of verses to focus on if you're trying to be like a forgiving person yes, thinking, yes, well, yes. God will get his vengeance. But, I mean, there's the idea that for, for the Christian, you can trust that there's, there is some kind of overriding sense of justice in the world. There's, things will work out fairly in the end and that you might not have to be the one who has to go in there and fix things and make things right and ensure mm -hmm. that justice comes because God can work and things can happen in the life of the perpetrator or the afterlife, if you want to go that far, mm -hmm. based on what that person did and, and how they responded to it and whether they were sorry and whether they yeah. tried to make up for it. Yeah. So you can think of it as, I mean, hopefully you won't get really punitive about it and be like, well, God will get back at them. Because I think if you're, if you're wanting God to, to get vengeance on them, then that's, you haven't forgiven them. You know, you're still seeking punishment. But if you think of it, it might help you to be able to release it if you can say, well, I can't make justice happen in this situation. You know, I can't make the other person pay up or mm -hmm. I'm choosing not to. But if the other person is not repentant, then God will deal through events in the other person's life or, or whatever. God will deal with the person. And that's not up to me to do. Mm -hmm. It kind of can give you the sense that, yes, justice will be served, but maybe not in a way that I have to carry it out or in a way that like the, the American legal system or whatever would, would recognize. Mm -hmm. uh, I think people can find some reassurance in that as well. Yeah. But again, it's not as tangible as, yeah. as seeing the justice carried out yourself and it requires a lot more faith to do right. that yeah okay so this is another way in which the believer the religious system has an advantage for the sake mm -hmm. of society in terms of mm -hmm. helping people to to forgive um, critics and, and so on would say it's just giving them a, a false belief that their their debts will be repaid in the afterlife well, uh, and, but, it, uh, and regardless of what you believe though if it leads people to behave yeah. in these more forgiving ways, more forgiving it's going to probably oh, be good for be, society uh, definitely anyway. Definitely good for society, exactly. Yes, that's, that was the point I wanted to emphasize, that uh, it will be a positive force toward making society, mm -hmm. making the relationships smoother, enabling it to uh, harmonious social relations to survive the mm -hmm. inevitable conflicts and transgressions that, uh, that arise. Mm -hmm. if, you can, if you can find ways to justify... Um, the kinds of, you know, quiet or invisible sacrifice that you're talking about, or forgiveness, then I would say these are all things that are going to be for the social good. And if having people think about God being involved, or even going as far as thinking about consequences in the afterlife, if that makes them more likely to behave in these loving and forgiving ways, then yeah, I would argue that it could be a good, good thing, oh, reg yes. regardless of whether no question, yes. what you conceive it in that way or yes. not. 
I, I was thinking as as we were talking there about when we were talking about barriers to forgiveness. I think that when we talk about it as as letting go of something that you have a, a right to, you know, it. Yeah. In terms of the debt, uh, yeah, that the other person the debt, you don't owes get the you money something. Back. <laughs> you don't get the money back. So you have to. There's a another uh, Christian principle about justice versus mercy, and and we want so much to see justice carried out, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I really feel like, in order to forgive, you have to give mercy, and the upper hand sometimes. Right. And and people's natural tendency, especially, you know, if you think about it in our society today where everybody's out for their rights and looking out for them, their own rights, to behave in a merciful way towards someone, not only is it difficult, but I think that people can view that as being weak as well, like a, a shameful thing to do, mm -hmm. to, to deal, to not insist that justice be, be served or that your own rights yeah. are going to be upheld in some way. Can can make you seem like a wimp, maybe in your own eyes, or you're afraid that other people will view okay, you in that yeah. way. What do you think? So there'd of be that? The, the material costs and the uh, the self-image costs. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I mean, you could construe it either way. You could say, "Well, I'm I'm the big person. I I can forgive mm -hmm. and take credit That's for true. that and uh, mm -hmm. adopt a moral superiority position." Yes. Uh, or it can make you weak and. Uh, it sort of wonders, it means sacrificing some leverage. If you forgive someone who's done something to you, you sort of give up the right to make claims, mm -hmm. uh, the right to pursue uh, redress or, uh, uh, or justice in other ways. Mm -hmm. And so there's the material cost, uh, and the self-image cost could go either way. Certainly self-image is a barrier to forgiveness in other ways uh, when pride is involved. Uh, yes. Pride would be a barrier probably on both sides. I would think uh, so. If you're, if somebody made you look like a fool, I mean, we know from laboratory studies people are much less likely to forgive exactly the same transaction. Mm -hmm. Somebody cheated them or uh, uh, beat it, beat them in a game or something, and they lost some money. Everything's exactly the same, the same game, the same money, the same thing. But in the one case, they were made to look like a fool, in the other case, not. They're much, it's much harder to forgive the uh, blow to your pride, and so. Uh, somebody who's made a fool out of you, there's a lot more revenge-seeking, holding on to that grudge, and forgiveness is harder there. Yes, it's like people's desire to save face would become so overpowering yeah. that to set that aside would just seem almost impossible. Yes, it sort of means that you accept the uh, humiliation, that, uh, yes. that your good name or your uh, social uh, esteem or whatever doesn't matter because... Uh, or that. Uh, uh, you're willing to accept the humiliating role that the other way the other person treat you do. Uh, so to forgive that sends a wrong message, uh, even if you meant it in the best spirit to try to forgive and say, well, it was embarrassing to me, but I'm going to try to let that go. And it will look like, well, the person is just letting people uh, make fun of him and letting that happen. And so you lose you lose respect for people who do that. On the other side, pride can be a barrier in terms of the perpetrator side mm -hmm. because you don't want to ask for forgiveness, you don't want to apologize, you don't want to admit that you did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. So, well, once we understand pride and concerns about self-esteem entering into it, then we can start to see why forgiveness is not so universal. If it's going to be a, a barrier on both sides, well, yes. then there will be lots of cases. And, and again, religion, which generally is opposed to pride and self-esteem and thinking you're great and all that, Religions tend to say, be humble, be modest, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, that we're all uh, as count for little in the eyes of God and yeah. so on. Yeah, and think of others before yourself. Think of others before kind of self. Yeah. Um, for cases like that, uh, then religion can promote forgiveness. It's clearly that it wants forgiveness more than pride and uh, uh, thinking you're great. So as we become less a religious society, and especially when it starts to emphasize pride and uh, positive views of self all the more, yeah. that will make forgiveness more difficult, again, on both sides. Well, and not only the pride and the positive self views, but the whole attitude of entitlement in our culture today yes. has yes. become a pretty amazing thing. You know, the, yes. the pattern of 
not only externalizing blame for things, which mm -hmm. is, as far as I'm concerned, just, just pervasive in our society, yes. um, but feeling like your rights are, are at the center of everything and everybody yes. deserves to have yes. their own rights upheld. So, yes. so <laughs> to engage in any kind of a practice that's going to be a sacrifice of your own rights could yes. seem like morally wrong, shameful, stupid. <laughs> you know, it could seem like a, a dumb That's thing right. to do. You're supposed to. You know, you're an American. You're supposed to be standing up for yourself and standing up for your rights That's at all right. costs. If we had more forgiveness, all those liars would be out of business. Uh, what would <laughs> what would they do? Mm -hmm. um, so there's that. And there's also at the collective level, the uh, uh, the groups that have grievances and so on and feel entitled. I mean, mm -hmm. one of the interesting issues that hasn't been explored here. Uh, a couple of years ago, President Clinton uh, raised the idea of uh, whether the government should apologize to the African American citizens for slavery. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I don't remember whether that actually happened or not with the uh, apology materialized. But to me, the apology is the less interesting side of it. The more interesting question is would, would then the black population forgive the government for having permitted slavery within the borders? And that would mm -hmm. have. Uh, much more far-reaching implications in terms of race relations in the U.S. I mean, the, the gesture of the apology is somewhat, you could argue, superfluous. I mean, uh, people argued it on both sides that it would be a symbolic gesture or it isn't necessary. And mm -hmm. you say we had the whole civil war over it. And uh, But pretty much nobody believes in slavery anymore. Nobody's putting it up. Everybody has mm -hmm. rejected. And it's well established throughout the culture that uh, slavery was, was wrong and shouldn't have been done. Uh, it's not forgiven, however, and that would be the place where a symbolic gesture would be much more interesting and far-reaching, and I'm not sure, you know, in terms of what all that would mean, but again, you can see immediately if that would raise as an idea, it would draw into focus some of the sacrifices that you'd have to make, and that people uh, who can still use that as a moral lever and say, well, we still uh, need certain things to uh, make up for what was done to us, to forgive is to sort of say, well, I'm not going to pursue that argument anymore. I'm not going to make demands on the basis of past victimization. And that, to me, calls into into focus some of the interesting dilemmas yes. uh, associated with forgiving that maybe you feel better about doing it, but it also mm -hmm. means, going back to the debt thing, it means you forgive the $100 so you don't get that $100. And forgiving a lot of debts can end up <laughs> being costly. Well, and I know there's also been some research on some of the the hidden benefits of being a victim. I mean, I know that's a controversial mm -hmm. thing to say, and so clearly there are many disadvantages to being a victim. But if you can view yourself as a victim, in some in some sense that could could give you a, a moral high ground. If someone else has committed an injustice against you. It, it could enable you to maybe externalize blame if you weren't doing well in some areas, you mm -hmm. know, because you had been victimized. You could obtain sympathy from people or you could commiserate with other people who had been in a similar situation. Um, you could just use it as a justification for walking around feeling angry or, or making demands. And I think just in a general sense, not necessarily specific mm -hmm. to the issue that you just raised, that being a victim there are some compelling things about it. Yeah. And if you forgive, it at one level at least, you're you're relinquishing some of the benefits right. of that yeah. of that victim status. Because yeah. victims, I think we do see they have a certain entitlement. I mean, victims are entitled at least to sympathy and support mm -hmm. uh, and possibly to some kind of payback, some uh, advantage. Mm -hmm. uh, whether we're talking even victims of a hurricane or uh, victims of crime or whatever, we, we have a, a well-founded sympathy for victims. And to forgive and just to say, I'm not going to be the victim anymore, I'm, I'm abandoning the victim role, is to abandon those claims. And so there are costs mm -hmm. there, which may even be vis-a-vis -vis third parties, mm -hmm. uh, that uh, even not just vis-a-vis -vis the perpetrator, the person who did something to you, but uh, even a bystander will come to the aid of a victim or will help or will say, well, we should do something for these for these victims, uh, but if they forgive, well, then they're not victims anymore, and they're at least sort of publicly saying, "I'm not going to be asking for that sort of benefit," and so it can be costly uh, at a wider range even than just the one relationship. 
it seems like it would be handy if other people knew yeah. that you had suffered some injustice and would continue <laughs> to be sympathetic, yes, yes, even if they knew that yes. you had forgiven the other yeah. person, then okay. it would be easier. Yeah. But if, I can't think of a specific situation, but um, if you think of a case where if you didn't complain about it, that, about what had happened to you, that other people wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. And if forgiving implied that you were supposed to stop complaining yes, about yes, it, yes. then you wouldn't get all the benefits of that sympathy and stuff. Yes, yes. Um, and then it raises the question, if you continue to harp on it like that, yeah. if you've really forgiven, and you yeah. can kind of get into a, a whole circular yeah. argument about that. It'd be convenient yeah. if other people mm -hmm. knew and would continue to give you sympathy. So I think we've covered a whole bunch of the costs and drawbacks of forgiveness now. Now, what are the benefits? Mm -hmm. Does it have, have positive things? You sort of touched on those. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, particularly in spiritual context, if you think God will reward you, that's one thing. But what would be the this-worldly benefits of forgiveness? Well, they've definitely, they've done intervention studies that have suggested that forgiveness can be good for your mental health. I mean, people have reported reductions in anxiety and depression, increased self-esteem, you know, all kinds of good mental health benefits. Yeah, so carrying around that victim role has a cost. I mean, yeah. there's, no, there's no category of the happy victim. If you're going to stay the victim, there's some unhappiness that goes with it, whatever yes. benefits you may get from playing that role. Yes. Uh, so there's a certain amount of distress. And just holding the grudge, holding on to your anger and feeling of being exploited, that's costly. Yeah, it's not really good yeah. for you. People want to do it, yeah. but it's it's not really mm -hmm. good for them. In fact, I know that there was one study done where they there was a um, by McCullough and Worthington who uh, gave two identical forgiveness interventions to people, and one group was told uh, the reason that this is a good idea is because it will have benefits for your relationship with the person, and the other group was told. The reason this is a good idea is because this will have definite benefits for you. You will feel better if you forgive them. And the group that was, the only difference was how they framed it. The group in which they were told that they would have benefits for them, uh, they had higher levels of uh, forgiveness reported after the intervention. So people seem to no need to know mm -hmm. that it's going to bring something for them and yes. not just a benefit to the relationship. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of a sad but true thing. Yeah. I guess if you're mad at the other person, knowing that your relationship with them might be restored, yeah. like later on after you've forgiven them, in retrospect, you might be, oh, I'm so glad I forgave them because now our relationship is better. But when you're mad, uh, knowing that forgiving might help to heal the relationship yeah. uh, might not always be such a compelling thing. Yeah, that um, means this person did this thing to me and I'm mad about it, and for the sake of the relationship, I should just take it. I should just let it go and uh, let the person get away with mistreating me like that and exploiting me. And that's how we'll stay friends or stay married or whatever. But it means I have to accept this abuse, and especially if there's some humiliation or loss of pride involved. Mm -hmm. I just have to swallow that all. So, yeah, I could see that that, that would not be all that appealing, especially in the yeah. heat of, uh, uh, of the transgression. Yeah, it depends, I think, <clears throat> on, the, on the relationship and how motivated you are to maintain it, how close the other person is. I, I imagine in some cases... That, that could be a compelling reason. You know, you want to have a, you want your marriage to be healed. You want your this friendship to stay close. But by and large, you know, if you just looked at the averages in that study, people seemed, uh, on average, more persuaded by knowing that they were going to get something, yes. some direct benefit from it. Yes. Which you can just chalk up to human nature, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> people want to know that they uh. get something from it. But but even at a, um, I mean, going back to the the spiritual perspective on it. Well, let me, let me just add oh, though, that it reduces uh -huh. the sacrifice. Uh -huh. If forgiveness is making a sacrifice, if they say there's a benefit for you, then the the net sacrifice you make is smaller. Yes, so that's true. You're not as asking mm -hmm. a difficult thing if you say you'll be better off mm -hmm. if you forgive mm -hmm. than if we just say you're just in the pits, but uh, you should forgive because it'll be better for the relationship. Right. Then, then it's just pure sacrifice. Right, right. Yeah, that's an interesting way to think about it. It does, it makes it clear that there will be something in it for you. So it's like the size of what you're having to do yeah. becomes just a little bit smaller. Right, yes. So that's, that is a compelling reason to, to 
convince people that there are yeah. benefits, and which I personally am convinced that there are, <laughs> at least physical and yeah. mental health benefits. Physical and mental health is a lot. Yeah. You were going to say something else? Oh, yes. I, I was just thinking that uh, from, a, from a Christian perspective, that one thing that makes it very, uh, I want to say appealing, but one thing that makes forgiveness more likely for a person who's a strong Christian is that we're commanded to do it. It's not something where you're supposed to sit around it with each situation that comes up and, and balance these pros and cons and say, mm -hmm. should I forgive or not? Or, hmm, I forgave this person last time. They did it again. I wonder if I should do it again and, and, and start playing with all these costs yeah. and benefits in your head. We're commanded to do it, and we're commanded to do it okay. every time and over and over. And so it's, it's something that's supposed to become automatic. Okay. So, so, so if you're dealing, if somebody's a non-Christian, dealing mm -hmm. with a Christian... Mm -hmm. You can exploit that person over and over again, knowing that that person is commanded to forgive you. Well, that's why the the turn the other cheek kind of doctrines are yeah. are viewed with, you know, with a lot mixed of mis feelings, mixed yeah. feelings. Because again, I think it comes back to if everyone in the world behaved as a Christian, mm -hmm. then those kind of things wouldn't happen, and turn yeah. the other cheek wouldn't be dangerous. I, I think some but of can we tell like a battered wife, you know, who has been actually beaten mm -hmm. on the cheek and mm -hmm. elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's fine to say turn the other cheek, but a social scientist to say, well, just go back there and let him beat you again, uh, you'd be liable to malpractice and with, with yes. good reason. It's much more yes. difficult advice to give in, in real world problems. That, and that is a very controversial area in forgiveness research. I mean, I'm yeah. glad that you brought that up. Um, that's the, the scenario that always seems to come up is yeah. what about somebody who's in an an abusive relationship, perhaps even one that's physically abusive and in, win in which they're in danger. And based on the way that we've been framing forgiveness, it could easily be argued that, well, you can forgive the person, you know, inside, you know, emotionally or, or mentally, but whether you, whether you need to trust the person enough to reconcile and try the, to restore the relationship, that's a different issue. Um, you might be able to forgive them inside your heart, even to say that you forgive them and you're not going to hold it over their head. Mm -hmm. But that can be, it can be different from just going back and saying, okay, you know, let this happen again. So based on the way we've been talking about it, I, I think it's clear that you don't need to be reconciled. You don't need to trust the person again after they've hurt you. However, that the doctrine that I was just mentioning about turning the other cheek does kind of look yes, at it differently. Yeah, yeah. And it is hard to know. I mean, I yeah. think that's an area um, that's very tricky and needs to be you know, thought about carefully and um, just dealt with very cautiously because encouraging people to turn the other cheek when the other person is likely to hurt them again, you know, is that really good advice to give someone? Yeah. Um, and that is what he meant. Tricky. I mean, that it's was tricky. the it's, meaning of it, but it... Uh, <laughs> it's doubtful, dubious value advice to, to give many circumstances. Yeah, I mean, even as a Christian, I really struggle with that one. And I know even a lot of Christian counselors, by and large, what they're going to say is forgiveness does not mean necessarily staying in an abusive relationship. So even among Christians, there seems to be a lot of resistance mm -hmm. to taking the turn the other cheek doctrine really literally across all situations. And I don't know that I have like a resolution for it, but I acknowledge <laughs> that that's a real sticky yeah. issue. Yeah. And and definitely something where it, it would it would make me very careful if I was speaking with someone who is in that kind of a situation, and not just say, "Oh, you need to forgive them," and imply that that means go back. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. I'm not because you have to take yeah. care of your own needs for safety and perhaps those of yeah. your children okay. as well. Well, as we add these things up then, the benefits mm -hmm. to forgiveness seem to flow from this inner thing where you get rid of the anger and the feelings of victimization, and then you feel better and your mental health improves and your physical health improves. So in terms of your private, emotional, inner attitude, forgiving is good. Yes. You get most of the benefits that way. The costs come with communicating it to the other person and telling the other person you don't have to pay me back or you don't have to change mm -hmm. or I'm not holding it against you and so on. So in a sense, if we put those together, the, the optimal, the, the most self-interested uh, uh, best result would be to forgive privately in your heart but never tell the other person to withhold the, the communication of, uh, 
<laughs> the forgiveness. <laughs> well, that's the strategic. I'd prefer the word strategic. Yeah. That if you're if you're trying to maximize your own benefits right. in kind of a, a here and now sort of way, uh -huh. you could say that's the best strategy is to privately forgive, but then yeah, continue to act a, like you're holding a, a cost benefit analysis for the possible forgiver, the person contemplating the, the costs and benefits. They add up best if you privately forgive in your own mind and don't let the other person know. So yeah, go back to the money analogy, you stop worrying about the money, mm -hmm. so you're not upset about it or whatever, mm -hmm. but the other person still might pay it back. You don't tell him, he doesn't have to pay you, and uh, someday he may come over and say, well, here's your $100, in which case you haven't had the grief all along of being mad about it, and you get it there. So well, in a sense, that yeah, seems ideal. I, well, <laughs> I don't know about ideal. I, yeah, I would argue... Ideal cost-benefit analysis, okay. just in that if, very uh, utilitarian sort of calculation. If you look at it in that sort of calculated yeah. way, I, I can see that. But I would argue that if you have really forgiven, that it's going to be hard to keep holding it over the other person's head or acting like you're angry. It seems mm -hmm. not genuine to me. It seems like once you have really forgiven someone deep, from deep within you, that that's going to spill out into your interactions with the other person. Mm -hmm. So I don't know Still, if you could avoid saying the words that yes. I forgive you. That's sort of often a big step. Yes. I suppose, by the same analysis, the worst case is to say, I forgive you, and you don't privately feel it. And I bet you that happens a lot. Yes, <laughs> because, because transgressors want to be forgiven. They say, well, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, can't you forgive me? Can't we put this behind us? You know, what do you say? Forgive and forget. Uh, and this will put pressure on you to say that you forgive, and you're still feeling the resentment for it. Yes. Um, and so you might be sort of cajoled or bullied or whatever the term is into saying it when you don't feel it, in which case you get the worst of both worlds because then the other person, the perpetrator, will be all too ready to just forget. I mean, perpetrators mm -hmm. love to forget. Yes, <laughs> yes. So in terms of the debt, the idea that, that he doesn't have to pay you, that's cool. He will embrace that and never give it another thought. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, you're still upset and, and hurt and eating that, so you'd suffer the mental and possibly physical health costs of having this grudge. It's just now you're not allowed to mention it. Yes. You can't even ever say it because, oh, we talked about that. I thought that was settled. You can't be bringing that up again. You forgave me. Yes. I said I was sorry and you forgave me. I thought it was done. Why are you bringing it up again now? And ends up then you, the the forgiver are put in the wrong for bringing it up, even though it's still bothering you. You just mm -hmm. you're forbidden to say it. Mm -hmm. That, again, strategically or utilitarian perspective, that's that's the worst. But that's that's probably a common outcome. I would imagine so. It, it seems like you could you could buy yourself a little extra benefit by telling the other person, "I'm still really upset. I'm I'm working on forgiving you." You're kind of yeah. letting them know that you're in the process of it. Or, yeah. or just making it very clear to them, when you tell them that you forgive them, that, that you were very hurt by what happened, yeah. but that you are forgiving them. I mean, yes. It's a little more confrontational when you yeah. say something like that. We need an expression that goes, I'm willing to start to try to forgive you. Yeah. You know, that I'm going yeah. to begin the process. Yes. No, not that, uh, and that is a big step forward, but it's not the same as saying, it's all done. Uh, no reason for us ever to have mentioned it or think of it again. Yes. And to say, I'm willing to start, because uh, that also carries the message of, you better be good for a while, and mm. if you mm -hmm. made it up to me a little bit, that would help speed things along, and, mm. and so on. It means that now that I'm not working against you, that I'm not hating you, that I'm not contemplating ending our relationship, and so on, that I'm going to try to reconcile and get over it and not hold this against you and not feel bad, uh, and implicitly then you can help. Mm -hmm. And so then maybe if people are nice to each other, then in the long run it actually could have a positive uh, interpersonal thing. But to say, all right, I forgive you, mm -hmm. has a finality about it, a closure. Yes. Uh, that could do more harm than good. Mm -hmm. It seems like there would be big benefits if people could hold off on, on saying that I have forgiven you or I forgive you until they actually think that they have. Yes. But but I think but part of... But they need something else to say. We need an, another word. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like something to the effect of, you know, I'm, I'm working on it. Yeah. Or I'm, I'm trying. I have I have the intention of forgiving you. I'm yes. really trying yes. very hard. I'm switching from being against you to being for you, but it's mm -hmm. difficult because of uh, mm -hmm. uh, 
because there is still this debt or this grievance. And, yes. You know. I, I'm trying to think of exactly, you know, the right way to state it, and I don't know that there is one single way, but I can understand how yes. it is especially risky to just yeah. be willing to say that you've let yeah. it go. Yeah. But I think a lot of times people think that they really have let it go when they say mm -hmm. that or that they can, right. and then later and then, it comes back up and they realize right. that they haven't. Yes. Yeah, makes it hard. because all the research on it, again, this is the difference between the in, inner and the outer forgiving. That between people, it's sort of an act, and you say, I forgive you, and the transaction is, is thus completed. Uh, whereas um, research shows the inner process, it's, it takes a while, it takes some work, it takes overcoming anger and mm -hmm. uh, trying to change your feelings and, and things like that. So, the word refers to the whole process intrapsychically, the beginning and the end, mm -hmm. but interpersonally it refers to the act, and that's, mm -hmm. we need, we need the two steps to be captured in the interpersonal thing. That, that yes. seems to be part of the, the, the dilemma as a, huh. the gap between the social and the interpersonal phenomenon. I'm inner. forgiving you. <laughs> I'm in the process. <laughs> yes, I'm working on it. You. I like I'm working on it. That was another one. Or mm. I'm going to start to try to yeah. forgive you. <laughs> yeah. Then you get into a, a much, longer sentence, but you can be communicating the, the message. You know, I'm going yes. to start to try to think about forgiving you. Yes. As opposed to just, I forgive you and it's done. Yeah. But nonetheless, it would help be more accurate. The, the gap between the inner and the outer and might be, uh, might be a way for forgiveness actually to happen more and, and serve that social function, which is mm -hmm. to repair and maintain relationships and help them survive transgressions. And I think even saying, I forgive you, is different from just saying what people often say, which is like, oh, that's all right no big deal, uh, no problem, uh, or not saying anything, just kind of letting it go. I think often when people forgive someone, they say things like that. And by saying that you forgive the person or that you accept their apology or something like that, you're at least communicating to them that there was a debt there, that they did hurt you mm -hmm. and that you're releasing them. I think in a lot of situations, people choose not to do that. It seems much more confrontational. In some cases, you might not feel like you need to make it so clear to the mm -hmm. other person that they hurt you. But I would say in situations where it's ambiguous or where you really don't think the other person got it, that it might not be unwise <laughs> to say, uh, you did really hurt me, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm releasing you from that or I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm forgive going you, to <laughs> I'm trying <Yes>. to forgive <laughs> you for what you did, rather than just saying, Oh, no big deal, no problem. Yeah. Which is, I think, a, a common kind of thing that people yes. say. And then continue to yeah. feel hurt. And the other person might feel like their behavior was condoned. They didn't even really yeah. cause any problem at all. And remember, the magnitude gap, it was no problem from the perpetrators. It was a much smaller thing. And mm -hmm. so when the, the, uh, the victim says the same thing, then you'd be all too ready for the perpetrator to say, okay, it was, it was a nothing, and yes. let's just forget about it. So people shouldn't say no problem unless it really wasn't a problem. Right, yes, it was a problem, but I've forgiven you. Yes. And that, that, I think, might mm -hmm. resolve part of the dilemma of forgiveness mm -hmm. and enable it to mm -hmm. do its social function and mm -hmm. uh, bring the interpersonal more into line with what actually goes on inside the person in, in forgiveness. Yes. Okay, well, thank you for the conversation, and thank you for joining us. Want more episodes like this? Don't forget to subscribe and get updates each week for the free to choose media podcast.